Good morning. Could someone, could, wait, did you pass the pulpit? Ah, good to see you this morning. It is, it's a bit chaos here, isn't it? Although, I must admit, after, uh, after seeing Jeff sat down, I'm kind of thinking, like, should I sit on the edge? And just, that, how great was that? What he said, whether you agree with it or not, let's not get into that for a minute. But how great was it, what he said? I, I, I do agree with it, by the way. <laughs> but how great was that, Jeff? That was brilliant. That was so, so good. And the band as well. How amazing. That was absolutely phenomenal, guys. Really enjoyed it. Love that transition from song one to song two, Adam. Yeah, you see, I was listening, mate. That was good. Come on. Listen, you know, these guys work incredibly hard, you know. Behind the scenes, the effort they put in, the work they put in, the practicing, turning up while you lot are probably still getting ready this morning and stuff like that. These guys are here. They're practicing. They're getting it right. They're working on the detail, the little transitions from song to song. And that might sound like, oh, how does that matter? What does that matter? But you know, if you're ever in worship and and you're listening to it and it's all flowing, it's great, isn't it? But then when suddenly it stops flowing and it's disjointed, you're kind of left in the congregation thing. You know what happens next and where are we going next? And it takes you out, doesn't it? It takes you out of that place. And these guys know exactly what they're doing. In fact, we've got, uh, we've got, I've got a good friend, Eli, on the front row. And uh, Eli said something in the cafe a few years ago. I don't know whether he remembers this, actually. We were sat around the table in the cafe in the last building. And so he, he mentioned about his brother. Stop me if I get this wrong, Eli. His brother's a singer, quite, quite a well-known quite a good singer. He's sung in in some famous venues and things like that. Really well-known singer. And someone said, and as soon as the words left their mouth, I kind of knew the answer. And Eli jumped in with this this answer. I don't know if he remembers this. Someone said to him, someone who's on the table, oh, he must have an incredible voice. And Eli's response was this. He said, well, obviously his voice is good. You couldn't go out and sing if, you know, in in, in theatres and so forth, if your voice wasn't good. He said, "It's it's not so much that his voice is incredible. It's his passion. And I got that right. It's his passion. I hadn't mentioned this to him before I got up and shared it this morning. Um, if it is your first time in here this morning, I want to welcome you this morning. I, I want to welcome you. Hopefully you see the passion from us as a church for what we do. You know, we are passionate about what we do. We believe in what we do. And we've got a vision and we've got a calling. And we want you along with us, as many as possible along with us, because we believe in it. We really, really do, and it's quite a significant day for our church today. Um, It's a joyous and a a, a celebratory day, but it's a sad day at the same time. Um, Many of you who were in last week will know, and and few of you will actually know Eva. Um, Eva has been in our church, again, like Jeff, a lot longer than me. She was in the church when I came into the church 20 years ago over 20 years ago now, and, um, and, last, and Eva's, uh, it, nine, uh, she must be about 93, I think, 91, 90, 95, 96 next month, and last week we shared that she's not able to come to church, she hasn't been able to come for a couple of years now, uh, just literally through ill health, obviously, you know, just not being able to, to, to come, um, but her family, uh, keep in touch with her, obviously, she's got a really good, strong family in the Lord. Let, let me tell you, Eva, okay, her great-great-grandson was actually sat 
with my daughter on the front row, her great-great-grandson. That's five generations of Christians. This is, this is, I cannot overemphasize this lady, an incredible, incredible lady. Not that you would necessarily know. She wasn't like overt. She didn't get up and preach or anything like that. But uh, so Vicky shared testimony last week of some of the things that she'd been doing. And, and she asked, would we, uh, would we pray for her? We got a message last Sunday night, would we pray for her? And, and we did, and we prayed for her. And her response was, Rachel, would you come up? Would you mind coming up? Her, her granddaughter, her great-granddaughter, although she calls herself granddaughter. They don't refer to her as great-grandma. Um, her response was, my church were praying for me. She was one of our, our own, and she went to be with the Lord yesterday. Um, that's why it's a joyous and a sad time at the same time. It's okay, Rachel. I'm all right. <laughs> Let's just get a mic for a second. I just want, Rachel was, uh, came around and, and shared testimony. I, I, I just wrote a couple of things down before Rachel shares and says what she said. If this feels a little bit disjointed, I apologize. It's obviously a sensitive thing that we're talking about. I think probably the greatest testimony of Eva was that she was, I, I, I put this, I wrote down loved, and then I didn't scrub out loved, I added something to it, I added the word adored, because she was literally adored, wasn't she, by her family and by those who really, really knew her. She was an amazing lady, a lady of faith, a Christian lady, um, but I, I want Rachel just to share about the testimony of what happened in, in the last few days, in the last week or so, because it was incredible. And it's a, it, I think it's a, I sat there hearing some of it from Vicky yesterday, or sorry, last Sunday, and, and I just thought, this, I don't know if, any, if anyone else realized this, this is a, a gift, an absolute gift to hear. So, Rachel, just share what you said to us yesterday when you came round. Um, so, Nan went into hospital um, because, like I said, she's 95 anyway, so she was getting on. And um, she, she's always had a strong faith, always. And she's always shared that with her grandchildren and things like that. And she only stopped coming to the church, this church, because um, she got too old, so she couldn't get there anymore. Um, but when she was in the hospital, we knew it was going to come to an end. And um, she, was, she couldn't really speak. She had an, ox an oxygen mask on her face. And um, she couldn't, the only word she could say was like one word, and that was at an effort. You could see in her body, it took everything to say that one word. Anyway, all the family was there, because there's a hell of a lot of us. <laughs> there's a lot of us. So um, we were all there taking in turns, so she was never on her own. Not one minute was she on her own. Even through the night, <laughs> we're all exhausted. Um, but this one night, which was um, not last night, the night before, um, which was her last night, and um, we, I was, Dad was sat in front of her, and Mum was holding, my Mum was holding one side of her hand, and I was holding the other, and it was just very peaceful, and we were singing, oh, I'm like, I was singing all sorts too, and Mary had a little baby boy and all that, honestly, all the Christmas songs and everything, because I thought, she's not going to hear him again, is she, so I was like, I want to sing him to you, <laughs> so um, anyway, um, it was very peaceful, and it was like one o'clock in the morning, and um, she just muttered under her breath, and I thought, and, and we were like, oh, what's she saying? And then she said it stronger, and she said, I'm dying. And instantly we were like, she's not just said that. She's not just said that. And then she said it again. She said, I'm dying. 
and instantly, obviously, we, we stood up and we were holding our hands and, and um, Dad started reading uh, Revelation. Sorry, take your time. I'm okay. Um, we started reading Revelation about the pearly gates and everything. And Mum couldn't speak because she was so obviously upset with what was going to happen. And um, this thing just came over me and I just said, isn't that amazing? Because <laughs> she said, I'm dying. And I said, isn't that amazing? Because you're going to go and be with Jesus. I said, that's amazing. But the fear, she I've never heard Nan feared, ever. She's never been feared that I've seen. And the fear that came in her voice when she said, I'm dying, it was horrible. And that's the evil in the world. And, and, and that coming upon her, she was scared of dying. And what was amazing was, that fear and distress of I'm dying and when I said but that's amazing you're going to be with Jesus and dad was reading revelation and her eyes were closed and oh my word you have never heard noises like this and this is a testimony if she could have left me anything anything at all when she passed she left me this and this is unbelievable and she closed her eyes and you wouldn't make these noises if you won the euro millions like you wouldn't ever make these noises i've never experienced this from a human but she was so amazed i said nan you're gonna go and be with jesus and she was going oh wow 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 and these noises she was making she had her eyes closed and she could see something and I don't, and it was that amazing. She did it for about five to ten minutes, and she was just in awe of, like, she was just, what she could see was just phenomenal. You couldn't explain it. You couldn't put it into words. And mum was holding her hand, and she was going, because you want to know. So mum was holding her hand, and she's going, Nan, what can you see? What can you see? And she couldn't talk. She just kept saying, oh, 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 wow, wow. And it was just these noises. It was just unbelievable. But she could see something. And I'll never know whether she saw Jesus or whether because of the fear in her, Jesus came and said, look, this is where you're going. I'm going to show you heaven because that's where you're going. Because I believe that when God, when Jesus saw that fear in her, when she said, I'm dying, he was like, wait a minute, you're, you're my child. You're my child and you don't need to be feared because you are coming to heaven and you were coming to be with me and he's shown her and the fear was completely taken away from her it completely left her it completely left her but for them 10 minutes she was in awe of whatever she could see and it was unbelievable mm. but I just want to say quickly like I'm not just saying this because she was my nan but she was genuinely an amazing person she would also always say love is so strong love is so strong and it really is and in the world today, I really believe that you give labels to something because they're different. So if, if you're different in any way, you're labeled, and then you think, oh, I'm that, or I'm this, or and, and it's not right, because God made us to stand out. If we fit in, we don't stand out. And as Christians, we're meant to stand out. That's what he made us to do. So you're not a label, you're not something else. Because the world says, oh, because you're different, because you're sensitive, because you're this, you, you're this. This is what you are. That's not right. That's not right. That's the evil in the world today. You are different because you are a Christian and you were born to stand out. In my 25 years of life, I have known a fair few people that have made my memory box. <laughs> and these are special people. And one of them was Fred. And I know his family's in here today. 
and he genuinely made my memory box because he was an amazing person. He was so amazing. And Peter, <laughs> we all know Peter. And there's a, a man in here today, and I don't know his name at all, which is really, really bad. But I was really nervous of coming back to church because when I, when I was a teenager, I sort of went and did my own thing, but always believed in God, but went off and did my own thing. And I was really nervous of coming back because God told me that this was my church. And it was very nerve-wracking for me. And for me, I was always like, but Fred's not there anymore. <laughs> but, but Peter's not there. And all these people that were so special to me were no longer there. And he was really pulling on me that I had to come back. And when I came through the door, I was so nervous and I was so scared. That much so that Danny said on the journey there, if you don't shut up and turn him around and you're not going. <laughs> because I was so stressed out. And... Um, when I walked into this building, there was a man who um, approached us, and he's actually, I don't know his name, but he's wearing a stripy blue jumper, I think I'm looking at him. Can you stand up for me a minute? <laughs> I don't know your name, but he genuinely filled me with so much warmth, and God, I told God on the way here that I needed to be welcomed, because otherwise I wouldn't stay, and God chose this man to bring us into this church and love us instantly. And in, we need to remember that we are born to stand out. And this man stands out. He stands out. He stood out to me and my family and made us belong instantly. Like Fred. <laughs> like Peter. And you didn't know Fred and Peter, but you're very like them. And... God is using you in ways you don't understand, like how you did it with us. So I just wanted to say thank you and just let you know, because you don't realize how special you are. Emotional. I was minded to uh, mention about uh, uh, another person that died a bit further back in history, this person. Her name was Sophie Scholl. Some of you will have heard of her, know about her testimony. Sophie Scholl was, she was a Christian. Uh, she only reached the age of 21. Uh, she was around the time that Hitler was coming to power. Um, she was at university in Berlin. And... She could see the rise of the Nazis and fascism and didn't agree with it. Could see what was wrong with it and could see the errors in it and how, how disastrous this thing was and how evil it was ultimately. And she, the thing about her was she didn't just stand by and see that it was wrong and recognize that it was wrong. She held tight and held true to those beliefs that it was wrong. And then she went and did something about them. She started handing out leaflets. Actually, her brother was more involved with the movement. They called it the, uh, the White Rose Movement. And he was involved with it. And he actually tried to keep her out of it because he didn't want to get involved for obvious reasons. Because what they were doing was ultimately against the government of the, of the time. And everyone could see how evil the government was and how hardline they were. 
but eventually she found out about it and, and got involved, and she became extremely useful because as a female, she wasn't she wasn't kind of searched or anything, so she was able to hand out leaflets and take them round and where some of the guys in the organization wouldn't be able to do it. Anyway, eventually, ultimately, she got caught and uh, she was tried. And at her trial, she wasn't actually given an opportunity to give any defense whatsoever at a trial. But listen to what she said. She said this, she said, Somewhat, somebody after all these words that she managed to speak out were recorded. She says, somebody, after all, had to make a stand. What we wrote and said is also believed by many others. They just don't dare express themselves as we did. And her, her last words, she was then taken and executed. She was executed by guillotine. Some of the other people were, were actually were, were firing squad is how they were executed. But her last words before she were executed were, were these. And when you see and you come in this morning, you see what a beautiful day it is this morning. Her last words were these. She said, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give himself up individually to a righteous cause? She was a Christian, by the way. Such a fine sunny day, and I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? And they were. Sophie Scholl, she now has a bust incredibly in the government in Bavaria. The very government that executed her not 50 years, 60 years earlier. There's countless streets, schools, and uh, squares throughout Germany that are named after her. It's equivalent to Waterloo or Trafalgar in the UK. You can't really go around and find a town or city without a Waterloo Road or a, a Waterloo City or Trafalgar and, and all of these things. In a, recent, in a few recent German polls, uh, she, in, in an overall German poll, she came fourth as the, as the most um, admired German person of all time. And we're on about being behind Bach and Einstein and I forget the other one that she came behind. Actually, if it was just down to people under 40, she came out number one. There's been countless films. Google have, have, have remembered this lady. She did go on and do some incredible things. And if last words are so important, and I know Eva, Eva's last words were really important to her family, Sophie Scholes and so on, and let me tell you, I, I've got a couple of friends who are, two actually, who are ex-policemen. And what I know is this, what they've told me is that police are trained that if they're with someone who's dying, say at the scene of a crash or an accident or whatever, and they're with someone who's dying as a policeman, their number one priority in that situation, particularly if, the, obviously, if they can save their life, they will do it. But if they know that person's dying, their number one priority is to accurately record their last words. They're trained to do that because generally the relatives, one of the first things they will want to know is what were the last words. And last words are so, so important, aren't we? I know that it feels like some of you in here know this and you're feeling this really personally and maybe 
reminded of family members that have died and, and, and you've had those feelings yourself of what the last words were or hanging on their very last words. And, you know, one of the reasons last words are so important is because, and, and as you get older, you start to realize this is, as things like children come along and you start to get older and, and you start to see your children grow up and you start to think more and more about there's potentially going to be a time. Well, there's going to be a time. Not, there's no potential about it. There's going to be a time when we're not here, isn't there? And if you've got children or you've got loved ones, you, your mind does start to think uh, even me, who's so young, my mind starts to think about my children and, and if I'm not there for some reason. And you start to think about wanting to put things into them that they will remember and that will live beyond you. And it's a priority to record last words. And another reason they're so, so important is because when you're at the end of your life and you know there's not much time left, suddenly the time for waffle has gone, hasn't it? Suddenly, if you're faced with death and you know there's not long left, I would imagine, I've never been in that situation, but I would imagine, and I'm sure we can all imagine here this morning, that every single word, you would, you would go for the ones that were the most important. There'd be no more worrying about what you said and you might offend or it might be the wrong words or whatever. You would just say what was important and you would say what was the most important. And we're in the middle of a series at the moment and Eva's death yesterday as a as, a, as much as it's a sad thing, it's a glorious thing as well. And the testimony was so incredible. And I was really minded that, that we decided that this morning was going to be on ultimately the most. Talk about Eva and how incredible she was. Talk about Sophie Scholl and how incredible she was. And I would say that as a Christian, the most important person that's ever walked this earth for me was Jesus. But outside of Jesus... Probably the person that's had the most, undoubtedly, anyone, any historians who really know and understand history and talk about impact of one person's life. Outside of Jesus, the person that we're going to talk about this morning, that we're focusing on this morning, really is the person in all Christian history, really, that's had the most impact, particularly on the Western world, on, on, on us and our culture and our civilization. Because ultimately, what he did brought about modern civilization in a way that never was before this point. A lot of modern psychology now is starting to understand and uncover the words that this man spoke and wrote down over 2,000 or around about 2,000 years ago, just short of 2,000 years ago. His ideas and his understanding of humanity... And life and death and, and how we work and how we operate, literally to say it was ahead of its time, is not to do it any justice whatsoever. He was called an apostle. And when he used the word apostle about himself, he referred to himself as an apostle. Now, nowadays, if you hear of anyone, you don't hear that word apostle very often. You often hear church leaders called pastor. The reverend used to be the old title, pastor for the kind of church that we are, a modern church, a, a kind of spirit-filled church, a church that wants to see God moving and operating. 
we don't class ourselves as religious, so we try and stay away from formality. But often in, in, in that style of church, you hear the phrase pastor referred to as the leader, but really the true leader for the, the true title, the biblical title for the leader of a church, the leader of a church is apostle. And that means that it is, it is the leader who was given that, that authority. And the word apostle is very, very important because it means they have an authority that comes from God. It comes from God. And the thing is that authority from man is, you know, it's okay and lots of people want authority given by man. But I tell you, if you've ever been given any authority by God himself, if you've ever, whatever that, what, even if that's in a small area, maybe you, 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 you were given just a small task and you just knew that, that God, somehow this was God who was speaking to you and wanted you to do this. When you've been given an authority by God, it, 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 authority by man doesn't come into it. it. It doesn't come close. And Paul had that authority. But when he referred to it, he wasn't referring to it in some grand way. He was really referring to it as being a, a bond servant. Could you just pass us that, that prop? You could chuck it up, whatever. Thanks, Vic. He, he was referring to it as someone who was bound Someone who was, who was in chains, as he put it. But the rope is significant to Paul. Because as we, uh, one of the things I want to look at is his last moments. And his last moments, a, a rope was used for him to face his last moments. A lot of Paul's story, if you want to read about Paul, and please can I encourage you to go and read about Paul if you, from about chapter 9 onwards, there's some references to him earlier than this of the book of Acts. You see a lot of his story. He doesn't give his full story because it stops where he, he goes. He's in a, in a house at the end of Acts. Acts stops before the end of his life. And you really see it in 2 Timothy. The, that's the book that really focuses on the end of his life. But Paul, his story is, in, is recorded in the book of Acts. And literally, he wrote most of the New Testament. So again, I... I we, we went through this and talked about who should do what, and, and I got Jesus last week. I, just, I mean, come on, that's, that's you, you know what I mean? No pressure there, is there? And now this week, I've got the Apostle Paul. I, outside of Jesus, I don't think there's anyone more powerful than him, more significant. And some, some other people might argue with that, by the way. They might say, oh, well, you know, if you're looking at who's the most influential person in history... You might talk about Muhammad maybe as being influential, but let me tell you, Muhammad maybe has influence in the Middle East in terms of the culture there. Well, that culture is generally not a good culture. Let's be honest. Can I be honest? These could be my last words. That's generally not a good culture. That's generally not a, an uplifting culture. Not just for women, particularly for women, but not for men either. But you see, the Apostle Paul's influence really has been on what we refer to as the West. What, and what we're meaning by that is democracy, kind of modern society is what we would say of freedom of speech. Although I did see a, a, a funny a meme. Can I say meme? Am I too old to say meme? I'm not too old to say meme, am I? I saw a funny meme. Does anyone, if you don't know what a meme is, you're older than me. A meme is just a kind of funny little caption or whatever. But anyway, I saw this funny meme of this guy who'd come out of a coma. And the nurse is at the side of him saying, you've just come out of a coma. You've been in a coma for, for 25 years. And he said, well, I've got an opinion. She said, you can't. That's hate speech, hate speech nowadays. 
So freedom of speech is on its way out, unfortunately. That's true. It's on its way out. But uh, we have a responsibility to hold on to it, don't we? But the rope is significant because Paul, his final moments, please go and read Acts from chapter 9 onwards. If you struggle with the Bible, and, and, and I know some do, many do, they kind of say, oh, it's difficult. You're probably reading the wrong bits. Stick to the good bits, and then when you've done that and enjoyed them bits, go to some other bits. There's some good, it's like a, it's like a meal, right? You might think oh, he's being sacral. It's terrible. What the good bits is the Bible, it's all good. Of course, it's all good. I'm a Christian, I believe that, absolutely. But it's like kind of your meal, isn't it? You have the Sunday dinner, and, and the kids, the veg, is that the good bit? No. The kids, I love veg, actually. It's the best bit for me. But if you're a kid, the veg, that's the, that's the bit. So if you can't eat that, you stick to the good stuff and, and then get the veg down. Or my mum used to tell me eat the worst bit first, and it did work. But with the Bible, I'd encourage you, go and read the good bits first. Go and read the bits, the stories. And the story from chapter 9 onwards in Acts, in the book of Acts, is brilliant. It's just a great story. It's a story. It's fantastic. Go and read about David. Go and read about Abraham. They're great stories. You'll enjoy them. Gideon, Samson, and Delilah. Go and read all them books. Just stick to that stuff for now and get a love for the Bible. And then move on to the veg and mature and get used to that. But in, in 2 Timothy, we find out, and, and I, I should have wrote down the name of the prison. Actually, You can actually go and see it. The place where he, he spent his last days. It was in a prison. And, and the, the bit where he spent his very last days is very, I don't know, it was certainly, we, we, we can only guess how long it was. But it was in a, a, a carved out cave and he was lowered. This would have been tied around his waist and he was lowered into a hole and he spent his last days in a hole, this man. This was a great man. This was probably the man who had the greatest influence on the West of anyone in all of history outside of Jesus. And, and actually, it's not sacrilegious to say that. It's not to put Jesus down because Jesus chose him as his chosen instrument to, and the Holy Spirit and God the Father to proclaim his words in the gospel. See, Jesus' ministry on this earth was, was relatively short in many ways. He, he came to do what he came to do, and he did it, and he did it really well. He did it perfectly. Perfectly is the, the right word to use. But Paul, his ministry was to declare what the gospel was, that people would understand it. And he spent his last moments, he was lowered down into a hole. Food was passed down to him. He lived in a hole, passing letters, pleading with Timothy to come and see him before the winter came. You read and you, you hear him saying at the very end to would he please come quickly and bring a coat before the winter comes? That doesn't sound like a glamorous end to a life to me. There was no morphine to ease his pain. There was no nurse to, to soothe him or anything like that. If we look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, he says this. this is, these, are, these are get his last words, not literally his last words, but they're the last recorded words, or certainly some of them anyway. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, he starts off, he says this. He says, I solemnly urge you. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. You know, that sounds almost like the kind of thing you'd hear in a court of law. I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Anyone got kids? 
Anyone in here got kids? Anyone got your kids to promise they'll do something and then they've not? I've taken to recently, the other week I lent my son some money towards a, a watch and I got him to text me, to text me a promise. And I did it slightly tongue-in-cheek, but I hereby solemnly swear to, and it was all like this. This is that kind of thing, isn't it? He's putting that kind of call onto Timothy. But this isn't just for Timothy. This was recorded in the Bible. God put this in the Bible because this is for us. This is for us. This has courtroom drama kind of feel to it. And some of you have come here this morning and it feels like you're looking for truth. It feels like you've come here and you don't want the fluff. You don't want to hear just the stuff that's going to make you feel good. You don't want to hear the hype. You want to hear truth and reality. Well, I want to share some truth and reality with you this morning. Anyone want to hear it? At the end of his life, Paul had no more time left. This was his last letter that we know of. And what he's saying in those opening words, in this charge to Timothy and to us, is that God will judge us. God will judge us. You know, when I was praying about the, the one of the, the, well, the first thing I always pray about with a sermon is this. What is the outcome that I believe that God wants? God, what outcome do you want from this sermon? What do you want? What do you want people to know? And what do you want people to do? What's the outcome? And one of the, 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 the outcomes that came to me was this. And, and Eva's de timely death really just played perfectly into it. Was this, that when we face that moment that we would face it well, with no regrets, with no shame, with no fear. But actually at the end of our lives, when we all, because we will all reach that moment, whether it comes abruptly or whether it comes with a bit of warning, we will all face it. And I think the, probably the most important thing at that point, if you think about it, I don't think Eva was too concerned about, you know, the, the, the state she'd left the house in. I'm not joking here. I'm not being disrespectful. I doubt very much in those last few days she was concerned about stuff like that. Do you? I think she was more concerned with meeting her maker and how that would go and also what she'd done with her life and whether she'd lived a life worthy of the calling. I think they were the important things. And, and for me, they... <laughs> I think they're the most important things we could ever hope for, that we would live our lives well, that at the end of it, that we're able to say or hear, hear those words. One of my goals for this church is that we as a church would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I, don't, I, I think in that moment, there'll be no greater words we could hear than well done, good and faithful servant. I don't think there's anything else we'd want to hear other than well done, good and faithful servant. I think they'd be the most important words at that point. Whether you won the lottery or not, or not I don't think Eva was too bothered about that in those moments. I don't think Paul was, and I don't really think at the end of it all any of us will be. That none of us would be ashamed in those last moments and ultimately when we go and we meet Jesus for the first time. 
face to face, if you like, that we wouldn't be ashamed. But of all of Paul's words, these were the most prolific. His last words, and very, very simple. And the charge to Timothy from verse 2, it goes like this. Preach the word of God. The last letter he ever wrote to Timothy, preach the word of God. He goes on to tell him how. He says this, he says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. How many of us think, oh, you know, we look at whether it's possible or whether it's a good time or a bad time. But Paul's saying, don't worry about what the time's like. Don't worry about whether it's a good time or a bad time or anything like that. Be prepared whether the time's good or whether the time's bad. Be prepared. Be prepared, out of season and in season. Be prepared, be ready, because we don't know when that moment will come. Things can be and appear to be bad, and suddenly it can change in an instant. That word prepared, it actually means to be present. To be present. One of the things, if you, if, you, if you ever do any public speaking, the most important thing, the, the, the biggest mistake public speakers make is they, they get more concerned about how they look than about what the people they're speaking to. They're just concerned about how they look. They will look good. Is, I'm, I'm, does my hair look good? Is, you know what I mean? That's the worst thing you could possibly do because what happens is you're not present in the moment. You're not thinking about the people you're talking to because you lot don't care how I look, do you? I've met some of you. You don't care how I look. It's okay to have a joke in that and just get a bit, you know, lighten the air a little bit. But you don't, you're not caring. You're not going to go home going, do you know what? Great message, but flipping it. Did you notice his hair was out of place? What the, what's he, what was he doing with that? What was he thinking? Did you see that shirt he was wearing? Why didn't he button the thing up? Black? Well, he's got rips in his jeans. What's that all about? Does anyone care? Does anyone go, I hope you don't go home and discuss what I look like. Vicky, maybe, but not me. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a look. Is that time's up or is that, don't talk about me? Both, thanks, Adam. <laughs> Do you know, all, they've all got me back. They really have. They've got me back. Come on, let's move on. Let's finish this off. Let's do it. It means to be present. Preaching the basics. That's what he's doing. Preaching the basics. He says this. He says, patiently. Patiently. Now listen, too many people focus on these next words and miss out the word that comes before it. Because these next words, what he says is, here's how you do it, patiently. Come on, have you all jumped to the next words? Oh yeah, we've got to correct, we've got to rebuke. Whoa, 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 stop. Learn the patiently first. Learn the patiently first. You jump in and correct. You're, you're more concerned about yourself and what you're doing and your ministry and everything. If your true ministry doesn't care about you, it only cares about the people you're ministering to. Only the people you're ministering to. Patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. Your people. I was speaking with another pastor a, a couple of days ago and, and I literally said these words to him. I, I said, I don't give two hoots. I will look to other pastors. I only care about my congregation. My first calling is to my congregation. And these are the words that, that, that Paul's telling Timothy. 
I don't care what other pastors think of me. I'd like them to think good of me, but really I'm, I'm more concerned about, about here, now, what we're doing. That's the most important thing. He goes on, he says this, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Oh, and how these times have arrived. And I'm not just on about churches. You've got to look at politicians. Politicians, please don't allow politicians to make your mind up on what's right and wrong. Please don't do that. Don't allow the newspapers to, uh, to make your mind up on what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. Because they're only trying to sell newspapers. The politicians are only trying to get votes. And they're lying to you. Oh, they'll tell you the truth if that'll get votes on that day. If Thursday's Truth Day, they'll tell you the truth. They'll love that. They'll sell a few extra newspapers, get a few extra votes. But as for you, as for us, as for me and my house, as for me and my church, and Joshua say, we will serve the Lord. As for us, always be sober-minded. Now, he's not just talking about alcohol, but let me talk about alcohol. He means sober-minded in alcohol as well. We, the Bible says we shouldn't be getting drunk. We shouldn't be going out and getting drunk. So I don't mind that going out and having a drink, a drink. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You'd never hear me say that's wrong, but I think we need to be very, very responsible around alcohol church. Can I say that? I'm going to anyway, but hey, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we need to be very, very sensible around alcohol. We need to be thinking of the people who are around us. Alcohol can be a trap to some people. And we need to be aware of that. Endure suffering. Oh, that's not a nice one, is it? Oh. If it's tough, if you're finding life difficult, let me tell you two things. Number one, it ain't going to last forever. But let me tell you three things. Number one, it ain't going to last forever. Number two, there's always someone else who's going through it just as bad. But there's always someone else who's going through it a lot worse. And that's not made to make your problem seem bad. That's actually a comfort, you know. When you realize that there's other people going through it, there's other people suffering, you're not alone. That's powerful. Powerful. Endure suffering. The third thing is this. It's not always meant to be right. Do you know that? I was with, we were with Mark and Beth the other day, weren't we? And Mark said this, he said, Mark Stevens said, some things are meant to be broken. Some things are meant to be broken. And we like kind of want to fix it all and make it all perfect. And, and oftentimes you can't for a start, but oftentimes it's not meant to be fixed. It's broken for a reason. Life isn't always meant to be. Don't believe Instagram and Facebook and all that. I want, to, I want to almost swear. All that rubbish on social media that it's, do you know, do you know it's all hype? Do you get that? It's all hype. Come on, do we get that? It's all hype. It's all the and, and what happens is for some of us, you you look at it and you go, oh my goodness, my life doesn't match up to that. I'm not as good as that. Wow, look at them and how wonderful they are. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. Yeah? Come on, Wayne. You only see the best bits. And actually, some people, they show you the bad bits on purpose. They do that to make themselves look good. Anyone notice that? Anyone seen those? Come on. 
I'm going slightly over. Listen, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to be a few more minutes. Are we all right for a few more minutes? I'm not going to rant. I just want to get to the end of this, I promise. Because this is powerful. And we do stick to time. We do stick to time every week. But if I go over this week a few minutes, is that okay this morning? I think this is important. He says, endure suffering. He says, do the work of an evangelist. That means telling people about God. It's not standing on a street corner with an A-frame on telling them how they're all going to hell. It's not that stuff. It's telling them about God. Remember what he, how he said to do? What was that first word he said? Patience. Good. Brilliant. We're listening. Come on. Come on. And fulfill your ministry. Come on. Fulfill your ministry. What will you care about in those last moments? What will you care about? You'll care about whether you fulfilled your ministry and your calling. That's what it will be. No regrets, no excuses. Uh, people who are coach, uh, my kids, I'm telling them, no excuses, no excuses. Winners don't make excuses, you know. Ever seen a winner stood on the podium making apologies for why he won? I really tried hard not to win, but I went and won. No excuses. No excuses. Don't make excuses. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. For I, listen to this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Just like Eva, he knew his time had come. He knew the Lord had told him. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. race. I've kept the faith. Does that sound like someone who's making excuses? No. Do you want to be making excuses in them last moments to God? No, neither do I. Henceforth, here's the prize. Here's the result. Do you fancy that, this result? Listen to this, listen to this, Vicky. He says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Eva's wearing her crown of righteousness. Now, come on, you can applaud, absolutely. Come on, I saw a few people. Come on, that deserves an applause. Come on. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is Jesus. Those words are to us as well. They're to us, church. Do you want to hear those words at the end of your life? Then let's live a life worthy of our calling. Let's not get too caught up in the things that don't really matter. Keeping up with the Joneses and how we look and all of that stuff. It's okay to, to want to look good and that kind of says anything wrong with that. Ladies like to look nice and present themselves. Well, I like to try and look half decent anyway. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm on about the serious stuff, the major part. What's the major part? What's the major call on your life? And the way you find that is, ask the Lord, what do you want preached about you the day after you've gone to be with the Lord? What do you want to be saying at the end of your life to the Lord? Do you want to be making excuses? Or do you want to be talking and thanking him for his grace and what he's done for you? It's by his grace. 
What do you want to hear him say? How do you want that conversation to go? Focus on that this week, church. Take some time to pray and to seek God. Read about Paul. Read 2 Timothy. Read the second half of the book of Acts and find out about this man because this is what made him great. Hallelujah.